Please listen carefully. And now, live from the Arboretum in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, with two hosts who are frantically trying to figure out the logistics of a unicycle built for two, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today on the podcast, we are doing another reassumption reboodle. Oh no, we're assuming two things that are closely related but different. Yes. A reassumption reboodle, we like to do reassumptions. We like to do assumptions. Mm-hmm. And we like to do reboodles. We put all those together and we get a reassumption reboodle. That's it. So a reassumption is where we go back and look at a classic movie and see if it still holds up. We do a review of it, give it a pizza rating. Mm-hmm. And a reassumption reboodle is when there's two of them, when there's the original and then the reboot. And we'll review them both. Yeah. Figure out which one holds up, if anyone's better, if they both work, if... If they screwed it up twice, I don't think yeah. we've had that one yet, but no, it's a possibility. It is a possibility. So, in honor of nothing in particular, <laughs> <laughs> we decided to do Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven. We got to get 11 guys together and go pull a heist. The classic heist movie. We've done heist stuff before. We did a heist build a crew. We and, did. You know, we've done that kind of thing. It's all in the genre of fun movies, the heist film. I'm, I'm a, just in general, I think I would give a thumbs up to any movie that posits itself as a heist movie. Mm-hmm. So Ocean's Eleven, uh, we're, gonna, we're going to start, of course, with the uh, original Ocean's Eleven from 1960. 62 years ago. Yeah. A lot of people think this is like, oh, that's like the first heist movie. It's not. Um, I think like, what is it? Blackboard Jungle? Is that it? Something like that. Um, it's like from like 1950 or something. That's yeah. around the time when they started heist movies. And you might be able to argue like some of the old westerns, you know, have a heist element. Like that's true. Great train robbery and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. This is like knocking over a building or a bank. Yeah. Like we got a whole plan. And of course, uh, Ocean's Eleven. Most people, when they think Ocean's Eleven, they think George Clooney and the reboot. But that is indeed a reboot. It's based on the original 1960 version with the Rat Pack. Dun, dun, dun. Who Ain't are the, that a kick in the head? <laughs> Who's the Rat Pack, you ask? Well, most of them are the guys that sing your Christmas songs to you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the Rat Pack was a whole bunch of people. With a couple of different iterations. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's been iterations over time. I guess it started at Humphrey Bogart and Lorna McCall's house. Mm-hmm. A bunch of famous people would hang out there. And I guess they used to like, because Las Vegas was starting to happen. Yep. And they would go like hang out in Las Vegas and then hang out at, over at Humphrey Bogart's house in Beverly Hills, I assume it probably was. And I guess at one point, a whole bunch of them rolled in from Vegas after, you know, doing what you do in Vegas. Yep. And Humphrey Bogart was like, oh, you guys look like a pack of rats. <laughs> you know. Coming home from the bar. So I guess that's, it stuck. So uh, the Rat Packers in this are probably what, when people think of the Rat Pack, they usually think of these guys. Yep. They usually think of the picture from the Ocean's Eleven media and stuff. True. Yeah. Uh, I only I only know three when I think of Rat Pack, and I had to learn that the fourth guy got like kicked out after a falling out. Yeah, so we're talking Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Peter Lawford, and Joey Bishop. There you go. Got to have your comedian in there, your <laughs> comedian buddy in there. Tell us some jokes while we have some drinks. Yeah, and then the rest of the 11 are a bunch of character actors, which you know from all kinds of things. Yep. And he goes, oh, that guy, oh, that guy, oh, that guy. But it, this movie is it, it's neat because it's such a timepiece. Absolutely, it's nineteen sixty and it's very nineteen sixty. And it's kind of funny. Is like when I first started watching it, I was like, "Oh wow, I'm getting Mad Men vibes from it." And I'm like, "Wait, no, Mad Men is like <laughs> period piece based on like this time." Exactly. So this is like legitimate, but it's it's hilarious. Oh, everybody's wearing a suit. All the yeah. all the ladies are all dolled up. Yeah, it's great. So. Ocean's Eleven, what's the basic overarching plot of this heist, Mikey? 
spoil it right now because it's probably my favorite silliest scene in this entire movie. But they, they finally get to the meeting of what the plan is like an hour into it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And the big reveal is this eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that they throw down on the pool table and it's just one road through Vegas and it's got five casinos on one side and then power lines on the other <laughs> side of the road. That's the plan. That's the map. That's the blueprint. It's like, I drew this on my lunch break. Like, <laughs> But the whole plan is... Uh, knock out the power, and when the power is knocked out, do a little wiry switcheroo, and you'll open up all the what they call them the cages, yeah, the, the cashier's cages for five different casinos: mm-hmm. the Desert Inn, the Sands, the Flamingo, the Riviera, and the Sahara. Knock out all five casinos on New Year's Day when everybody's busy singing a one minute and thirty eight second song, <laughs> and Bob's your uncle. <laughs> yeah, so it's called Ocean's Eleven because Danny Ocean, played by Frank Sinatra, is sort of the the mastermind. Really, is the Greek Asibos, Asibos, who's a kind of we're kind of led to believe. They don't explain a lot. They really don't. <laughs> You're kind of led to believe that he's some kind of crime boss. And he's too well known as a crime boss, yeah. which is why he has to send in a team to do his dirty. Yeah, thing. and he he gets the bright idea of gathering a team of guys who aren't connected at all. That's it. So Danny Ocean, who I guess is kind of this degenerate gambler guy, mm-hmm. who probably is known to a crime boss. They don't explain that, but I would assume it's probably borrowed money from him. I'm thinking that he's in debt to him. I'm thinking. And also the meta-ness of, like, there was always rumors that Frank Sinatra was mob-connected oh, in real life. rumors, my... Yeah, yeah no. So <laughs> he, he had a lot of handshake deals, so I think they're just also, like, sort of typecasting, Hollywooding that up, you know? Oh, yeah. The, uh, these guys play themselves in this movie <laughs> so much. It's, it's ridiculous. But anyway, Danny Ocean, who's played by Frank Sinatra, and Jimmy Foster, who's um, played by Peter Lawford, mm-hmm. are old uh, World War II... Buddies, they were in the 82nd Airborne, and apparently a command, a special commando division of the 82nd Airborne, who at some point during the war they were sent on a special mission which stole a whole bunch of gold, German gold. So they like performed a heist in World War II. I want to see that movie, frankly. That'd be it. Like, do that one. Yep. Call it like Ocean's Nine, Ocean's Battalion, Ocean's Battalion, (laughs) something like that. Right. I'm thinking, like I said. They leave. There's a lot of like you can fill in a lot of stuff on your own here. That's true. So I was assuming that you know you, you got this Greek crime boss. I'm assuming that Danny Ocean over there is in debt to him, and he's like, I know how you can get out of this debt if you can pull a job for me. There you go. You know, I have this idea, and he's like, he's like, okay, I can get a whole bunch of guys together for this, you know, and and so that's what he does. Right off the bat, I have to ask your opinion. What do you think of Frank Sinatra in this movie? What one take, Frank? Yeah. <laughs> it definitely seems like it. Yeah, but one take Frank. He he was known as one take Frank because I guess when Frank Sinatra would act, he didn't have much time for it because I don't. He was busy being Frank Sinatra, <laughs> right? The coolest guy ever. And I guess they'd say action, and he'd like do his line, and they go cut, and they'd be like, "You want to do that again, Frank?" You go, "No, that was good." <laughs> like. One take Frank. That's it. I mean, they usually only gave him one-liners anyway or the solution to the conversation. Yeah. But, oh, the dialogue in this movie is great. No, dude, I'm, I'm half Italian. He's like one of the patron saints there you go. of Italian-Americans, Frank Sinatra. He's such a, like, I get that he's he's Frank Sinatra. He's a tough guy. He's the, Men want to be him. Ladies want to be with him. Mm-hmm. Like, I get that. You get that vibe. But he also, like, he comes across as this big jerk. Like, this guy is hiring to do this job. And he keeps toying with him. Like, he's supposed to be the boss, <laughs> but he's pranking him on the phone. He's telling him that the, the, the guys on his team died. Like, he's I just know. jerking him around every chance he gets. <laughs> those horrible... Apparently, if you if you put a handkerchief over the receiver of one of those old-timey phones, you'll get a dubbed British accent. Yep. <laughs> it's an automatic voice changer, that, hank- that hanky. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that it's silly. I mean, but the thing is, this movie's supposed to be a comedy. That's uh, true. You know, so I guess that was super funny back in 1960, which it is still kind of... I mean, I'm laughing about it, so... I'm laughing. There are some good bits in there. Um, some of them are dated, but for, I would say, a handful of them, though, it must have been something in the 60s that was hilarious, because, like, it had mm. the beat, like, here's where you should laugh, and I'd be like, what did they just say? Yeah. Like, what just happened? I think I missed that joke. Yeah, there's some stuff that I there there was just because I am kind of a history buff and know some World War II stuff. They mentioned like I don't know. They mentioned a time or two in there, some kind of like World War II person. Yeah, 
you know, yep. and I'm like, oh, because they're all supposed to have been in World War II. I think most men their age who are watching this movie had been in World War II. Probably. So they just they don't explain it because they don't have to so that we don't get it. But at the time it worked. But I'm with you. It's such a time piece. Like we're talking about they have landlines, so there's no cell phones. No cell phones. The, the heist is based off like the most rinky dink of technology and circumstance. <laughs> like there's no like gadget really. They have one little trick that they do. But yeah. But it's interesting just to see this time period, like liquors all over the place, cigarettes oh are all over gosh. the place. I mean, I mean, everybody's got a pinky ring. <laughs> and wearing a nice suit. Yeah, everyone's in a suit and a great looking suit. Man, the suits looked great back then. Very much so. You know, and and you got the the <laughs> just the sets and, and everything, just the way everything looked and the colors mm-hmm. and <laughs> but you're right there's so much smoking like cigarettes are that then there there's one point where they had like a bowl of cigarettes yeah. Yeah, next to the lighter they had those table lighters back then because you had a lighter and the amount of scotch that they would pour in a glass <laughs> i mean i wouldn't be able to like walk out of the room if i drank that much scotch i mean they weren't like putting like just like a finger in there and then putting soda in there they were pouring yep <laughs> they were born a good like three inches and it wasn't even a, it wasn't like a tall glass yep i guess that adds more credence to the one take frank like, <laughs> like we've been having too much liquor this is the last <laughs> shot you're getting at this line otherwise we're doing it tomorrow oh my god that was fu- the funny thing about the danny ocean frank Sinatra character i see why a young george clooney especially from like why he would want to play that character. I get it. Especially from the pedigree he comes from. Yes. Because his dad mm-hmm. was like a contemporary and an actor too, right? Yep. And his mom, uh, not his mom, his aunt. Yes. Rosemary Clooney, right? Mm-hmm. She was like running around with these guys too. He must have thought these guys were the coolest guys ever. And it, it was his chance to pay homage yeah. with that lifestyle. And who knows what stories he has about Frank Sinatra and stuff. Who the heck knows? I bet just there's something went on, but... <laughs> Who knows if, like, I mean, all all we had were stories because, you know, no way to real document them for posterity, especially during that time period. Mm-hmm. So, But he is, it is so funny, though, because he is, Frank Sinatra in this movie, well, he's like this in most of his movies, but especially in this movie, if you want to talk about, like, Mary Sue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he always knows the right thing to say, always knows the right thing to do, always has the coolest line, always is the coolest guy. Well, he gets confronted by that lady. And he's like, "Hey, baby!" It's like you you knew the deal when you you hooked up with me. You he, know, he's got a wife and a mistress. You know? and he he pulls both off. Yeah, she throws a plate at him, smacks against the wall. Yep. You know, and, and and he's he's like, "Oh yeah, that's a crazy dame." And yeah. his buddies show up, and then he's like, "I don't know the ladies." Hard to keep them happy. That was, Next thing you know, they're throwing stuff at you. That was one of the one of the glaring things about this movie. Being 1960. Yes. And you're like, you watch Mad Men, you're like, were they really like that? Uh huh. Yeah, they were really (laughs) like that. It's like, there's, it's just straight misogyny happening. Absolutely. This thing. And you're just going to have to, it's just, it's the time. It's not great. Yep. Angie Dickinson's in there looking great, doing her best Mm -hmm. as she can. There is one funny part, though, that did strike me is that when the mistress calls the wife up to like tell, on Danny Ocean. Yep. And she like shuts the mistress down. It, that was the first reversal because it was, yeah. I think Adele was the mistress's name. Yeah, yeah. She's she's the one that like fights back at Danny Ocean. Like he mm-hmm. gives, she gives it to him just as much as he gives it to her. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I get it. Passionate relationship. And then the wife is sort of the demure, like, I can never tame you, Danny. Like, yeah. I get one more job, whatever, but leave me out of it this time. But then that phone call happens and you're like, oh crap, this lady is crazy. Uh-huh. But then the wife gets her own agency. She's like, yeah, I know, Danny. Well, I don't care what you have to say. You're, yeah. you're a venomous hussy. Well, yeah, malicious. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? And just tells her off. You're like, oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was interesting. It's it's always funny to be in these, in these old movies because mm-hmm. you kind of forget. You, you watch, like, I'm going to keep mentioning Mad Men because it's set during kind of this era. Yep. But you see period pieces and stuff and you're like, okay, they're playing off of stuff and you just kind of have to take their word that they did the research and stuff. Yep. I guess people are really like that, but these people I'm seeing are modern people, blah, blah, blah. And then you see old stuff and you're like, oh, people have always been people in a lot of ways. True. And they just look different, act slightly different. 
but generally, yeah. you can tell. Apparently, there's a lot of the stuff in this movie that's ad-libbed because these Rat Pack guys were all buddies. I believe and it. stuff, and sometimes the they would just they roll the camera and they just start going off. And I guess there's there's one part. It's so wrong, but if if you know if you know history and know what they're doing, mm-hmm. it's actually kind of funny. But it's horrible what he says. But it almost makes it funny. There you go. So there's a part where they're I'm talking about what they're going to do. They ha- tell oh. the plan, right? And they're sitting there talking about what they're going to do with the money. What are you going to do with your share of it? And they're literally just like, as I understand, this stuff might have been ad-libbed. That and, makes sense. Because these are literally just the Rat Pack guys. This is literally, it's just, it's Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sam Davis Jr., and Peter Lawford. It's just them. Yep. And they're talking about what they're going to do with the money. And Peter Lawford's like, I'm going to get into politics, which apparently, like, I'm going to bribe people and get into politics. Apparently, he was like, his brother-in-law was... He was the brother-in-law to the Kennedys. Yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And th- that was supposed to be like, ah. Like, that's oh, true. They were supposed to have bought votes. Yep. So they were making a joke about that, yep. which is funny. And, and then the, the other guy's like, I think go get into pictures. Those are being a those are a big thing in Hollywood now. <laughs> yeah. like, this is this whole movie is a cash grab just to showcase the rat pack. Like Yeah. So and and then Dean Martin goes, I'm gonna repeal I'm gonna become a politician and repeal the fourteenth and twentieth amendment, take the vote away from women and make slaves out of them. Uh, you know, and you're like, ooh. But the funny thing is though, the fourteenth and twentieth amendment aren't the right amendments. Oh, so... The 14th Amendment grants citizenship to all persons born in the United States. Okay. The 20th Amendment has the presidential terms for the vice president, (laughs) right? He was talking about the 13th Amendment as the slave one. There you go. And the 19th Amendment gave the woman the vote. There you go. So the question is, is like, were they trying to say like, this guy's an idiot? And he doesn't even know what the... He doesn't even know what the amendments are and he's saying something stupid. Yep. So... Like, how do you take that? Do you take that as like, oh, my God, what a racist, misogynistic thing to say. Yep. But he got the amendments wrong. So did was Dean Martin just dumb and got him off? But he was off by one for both of them. Which so, means it's, which is, if it's a comedy, it, that's a clever sort of yeah, little detail. It seems like it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. You know, and Especially I because he's not a politician. He's just going to get money and go in. Yeah. It, you know, like, like a dummy. He's supposed to be a lounge singer. There you go. He's kind of playing himself. Oh, so. Thing. So <laughs> that's, yeah, they all are kind of playing themselves. One thing I noticed, so at, at the very beginning of this movie, mm-hmm. they have the awesome, because, you know, back then they put the credits up front. Yes. So they'd often animate them, yes. which is something that they kind of started doing again. Yeah. But they had the awesome, like, 1960s animated opening to this, which was so cool. But I noticed, because I kind of know about the Rat Pack. I've always been interested in that, the music and stuff. And I like, and I like that older Christmas music. Like, literally, I'm not even joking. Like, most of the Christmas songs everybody likes They're are staples. from these guys. Yeah. And this this awesome jazzy music is playing. And it's going off, right? Mm-hmm. But when it shows the names of the guys, the jazz music changes to kind of go with their personality. That's and true. it goes with the personality of the person, you know? Because, like... When it says Frank Sinatra, it, it gets a little more like kind of swingy, mm-hmm. right? And then when it says Dean Martin, you they play like one of those little like Italian like like <laughs> mandolin things, I guess, or whatever it is, That's right? right. Yep. And then you know when it says Sammy Davis Jr., they get kind of solely with it and like you know, like, <laughs> yeah, man. And when they do Peter Lawford, they go all kind of like fancy with it because he's like the rich guy. It's just funny. You know, mm-hmm. and I I could swear Joey Bishop, they almost put a slide whistle in there or something, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he's a comedian. but A gong hit or something. <laughs> it was just, I was just, it was funny to me. I was like, oh, wow. They like changed up the way the music was for each person's name. And they gave like, for, at least for the head Rat Pack guys, they gave them each a little musical number throughout the movie too, which is mm-hmm. nice. But a uh, fun fact, fun graphic design fact about that intro, uh, created and uh, illustrated by Saul Bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's like... If you're a graphic designer, you probably had to learn about them in school, but like all the old logos you love and half the reason Vegas kind of looks like it does, at least at this time period, is because of that dude. So mm-hmm. it was like, oh, they've got a real big name to do these title mm-hmm. title card. All right. So we're all over the place, but we like it that way. We've said some of the cast list. Basically, you got Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Peter Lawford, Richard Conte, Joey Bishop, Henry Silva, Buddy Lester, Richard Benedict, Norman Fell, Clem Harvey. That's the 11. That's yep. the 11 former Airborne guys who are, uh, I guess they would 
they acted like the, you have to really pay attention to this movie because they mention a lot of things that mm-hmm. pull everything together. True. They mention that these guys have reunions a lot. Mm-hmm. So they're in contact with each other. They meet up every now and then. So it's not like they haven't talked to each other since 1945 or whatever. But like I said, we got the Rat Pack and a whole bunch of character actors over here. But the one that stand out most to me is Norman Fell, who's Mr. Roper. Oh, that's right. <laughs> From Three's Company. Three's Company, absolutely. You know, come and knock on our door. You know, it's it's like, oh, that's Mr. young, super young Mr. Roper. Super young. And so that's really, <laughs> I don't know. But and, there's so many, like, recognizable faces. There's so many of that guys in there. True. I didn't recognize this guy, but Clem Harvey as Lewis Jackson, mm-hmm. the, the hailbilly out of all the <laughs> mob guys. He's in the movie for like 10 minutes, but I think he's my favorite. Just because, yeah. like, he calls uh, a Cebus, he calls him Ace Boss, which is like <laughs> such a Texan, like, you're the Ace Boss. <laughs> I know there's so, this movie just like it oozes so much cool. Yes. I mean, it is like there's, there's the misogyny in there, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of racism in there. Yep. But, uh, but otherwise, it's like just got that 60s cool, jazzy coolness just oozing out of it and that, all I mean, over the place especially like I, I made a quip about it earlier but the first hour of this movie is just learning like who this gang is mm-hmm. you learn the most about the top five but they still go and pretty much give you all 11 guys like how they fit in what they're doing mm-hmm, like where mm-hmm. they're coming from yeah i mean you get to meet angie how beautiful is angie dickinson very much oh my goodness gracious you get to meet his wife, and she doesn't want to have anything. She's like, I've had enough of you, yep. which is great. Most of these guys have wives who have had enough of them. Mm-hmm. And then well, we meet Jimmy Foster, Peter Lawford's mother. He's rich. We meet his mother, and she's been married. She's getting married for like the fifth time. Something like that. But this time she's getting married to Duke Santos, played by the Joker. Cesar Romero. The original OG Joker. Yep. Oh. You, can see, you can see the Joker come out a little bit towards the end. Yeah. But, yeah. How great is he, though? Perfect. I mean, yeah, so good. I mean, there's so many silver screen, golden age of... Is this the golden age of Hollywood? Is it? Close to it. It's somewhere. The second golden age? Yeah. Maybe? I don't know. There's just... When you think movie stars... True. There's tons of them in this. Absolutely. I mean, tons of them. And Cesar Romero is for sure one of them. And just every scene he's in, forget about it. Exactly. Just, it's funny, too. There's a lot of uh, the guys without their shirts on scenes in this. I don't know if that's for the ladies. It must be for the ladies. It's got it's the Rat Pack. You yeah. Wanna, yeah. You want to see them be men. <laughs> Especially, you're, it's like you're saying, it's an ensemble of famous faces. Like, they kind of repeated that for the new Ocean's Eleven, yeah. but they got the template from this. It's like, hey, all these guys are really cool. Let's throw them together and then put some awesome cameos in there. I mean, Shirley MacLaine shows up yeah, for yeah, one yeah, scene yeah. and she smashes it. She does. <laughs> How great was Shirley MacLaine? That's super young Shirley MacLaine, too. She actually looked young and and gorgeous. A lot of like a lot of these women, <laughs> I don't know if it's just because they have hairstyles of our grandmothers. Yes. But there's so many because there's Dean Martin up there, you know, I got a kick in the head. And the women are like watching them and stuff. Yep. And, and, and they're all like 25, but they look like they're 50. <laughs> so it's hanging out in that Vegas environment, man, with the scotch and the cigarettes. Scotch, it's, cigarettes. It happens the, to everybody. Those hairstyles and the, the clothes are just funny to me. Speaking of like all this, the, this fun, like out of time stuff, mm-hmm. time capsule, I guess is what I'm trying to say is they go to that burlesque show in Arizona <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and the first performer is a lady in a bikini holding a snake. And But bikini isn't even the, that bikini is like the most covering up bikini. Oh, yeah. Like a showgirl type could, outfit you could have. And then like the stripper comes out. Oh, it's so exciting. And she's wearing this full evening gown. <laughs> And then by by the time she's like done and the evening gowns come off, she's wearing like a one piece swimsuit, yep. basically that covers up so much stuff that you're you're. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's just funny to me. Totally different that, time period. Yeah, that this was like, oh my goodness, can you believe what's happening right now? Yeah, she took her dress off and her gloves. Ooh, and her gloves. Salacious. Salacious, and she's wearing this like. One piece, that not like a one piece you're thinking, and now, I mean, Olympic swimmers wear less, <laughs> you know? Yep. <laughs> but do they handle snakes? No. <laughs> that was, that was the, I laughed at that just because it's like, ooh, risque, wild animals and women. 
but but that like uh well what's up with the 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 making fun of southerners and country guys because there was those two like western guys in there you know and that one guy was like all he couldn't couldn't handle his drink and was screaming and got into started the brawl at the burlesque show i think i think it's just the counterbalance to the suave suited up guys of the rat pack like these are cool men not not your average run of the run of the mill hicks that are hanging out in arizona strip club that scene also stood out to me because it had one of the great lines, which I also found quoted online because it is a great line. It deserves to be quoted where Danny Ocean's, they're trying to convince the one guy who's at the burlesque club. His wife works there, yeah. trying to convince him to become part of the, the heist. And he says, why waste those cute little tricks the Army taught us just because it's sort of peaceful right now? <laughs> <laughs> sort of peaceful right yeah. now. Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious to me. It's yeah. It's, we're sort of in peaceful times. <laughs> we did. We pulled a job when we were in the army or when we were in the air force. So let's just pull another job. This time we're in different outfits. Yeah, but yeah, they they spend the first like good first part of the movie establishing who everyone is, mm-hmm. you know, and we find out that like one of the guys has like some kind. Of, he's at the doctor. He's their electrician guy. Oh yeah, yeah. That's Tony Bergdorf, played by Richard Conte. Mm-hmm. And he's at the doctor, and they're looking at his x-ray, and they don't tell you what's wrong with him. He just like He's like, how long I got, doc? You know, and then he, you hear, he just does a reaction look. Yep. You don't hear what the doctor's saying. Nope. And he's like, I'll have to wait till the biopsy comes back. But then <laughs> Tony's like, is it the big casino? Like He, knows, <laughs> he calls heaven the big casino because he's getting, <laughs> he's getting called up to it. He's like, it might be the big casino, but I can't tell you when. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it happens at the end of the movie. <laughs> uh, but we we get to see him go see his like kid, right? Yep. His, his he was he did he did a stint and sings it wasn't sing sing, it was uh the Presidio? Yep. Well, I forget which one it was. It was the California jail. Yeah. I'm surprised it wasn't Alcatraz. <laughs> Was Alcatraz around then? Maybe it was before the time. I don't know. No, I think Alcatraz had been closed by that point. Oh, there you go. Um, but yeah, his son gives him a Japanese uh, a bacus, as he calls it. <laughs> a bacus. You can count on this thing, he. <laughs> but my kid made it for me because this is happening during Christmas. Oh, yeah. Is this a Christmas movie, Mikey? Uh, I think narratively it has to lean more towards a New Year's Day movie. That's true. Because that's like the, the crutch. But they do make a point to say Christmas in Beverly Hills, yeah. California. And there's like no Santas, no snow. There's Santas. Re- oh, I, I missed the Santa. Yeah. But it's still like sunshiny California and the dude's walking around. Like There's like lots of Christmas decorations in oh, this. Okay. It just doesn't seem that way because it's all in California and Las Vegas. And in mostly Nevada. inside a different yeah. casino. But there's there's uh, there's Christmas decorations and, and stuff I noticed around. They're those cool, crazy 60s, like everything looks like it's made out of aluminum foil. Yeah. <laughs> tin foil and asbestos yeah <laughs> yeah Nah, but it, it's a holiday movie for sure but because it's all based around odd lang sign and the fact that it's a minute and 38 seconds so weird that they pointed that out but i would i would call it a new year's movie yeah but like you said they get they get everyone together at spiros's place yep. to go over the plan and he's got oh my gosh he's got a japanese butler and everyone just remember we're only 15 years out yep from World War Two, that's it. And all things considered, he isn't treated that badly. I mean, there's the problem that when he shows up, it's like a gong and ding a ding a. Yeah, that's an issue, very much. So. You know, but other than that, at least he's played by an actual Japanese fellow. I was going to say they didn't go full Jerry Lewis on this. Jerry Lewis or uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes, I would argue that Ocean's Eleven, Breakfast at Tiffany's, or is more popular. And more races than Ocean's Eleven is. <laughs> I would, yeah, I agree for sure. Not that that gets either of them off the hook. Nope. But I mean, at least Sammy Davis Jr. is in here and being a, you know, one of the group and accepted as one of the group and, and getting to play off of it. Getting yep. to play off of it. And I mean, the jokes they make aren't real. I mean, the one joke they make is they're they're getting going in commando mode and putting black stuff on their face. Yep. And they kind of make a joke about that, but they're just kind of like it's to me. It's like he's making the joke on them, or it's like like you were saying earlier. It's the the friends hanging out, and yeah, like ribbing each other, yeah. You know, it's that's not, how it came across to me. Yeah, it's not it. What didn't seem malicious or to prove a point. It's just like, hey, ha, how do you do that, Jack? Like that kind of yeah. stuff. And speaking, of, it's funny to me. You know, you got Sammy Davis Jr. in here. You got Dean Martin in here. So they make sure that they perform. Yep. In here. And Sammy Davis Jr. gets to do his soft shoe and his singing. 
with two guys playing harmonicas, <laughs> and it does that. So silly. It does that Hollywood movie thing where you know it starts off with the har- guy playing the harmonica, mm-hmm. then the other guy kicks in with the harmonica, yeah, and then suddenly you start hearing a bass and drums, full percussion, and then strings and then horns. And as a harmonica player myself in our band, yep, I just have to say. Let's go ahead and get another harmonica player guy in here. Because apparently when you have two harmonicas, you have a whole band. We don't even need you playing guitar. We don't need Scott playing the uke. We don't even need Brad. We just need two harmonicas. So maybe you can just drop the guitar and learn harmonica. Let's do it. And then we'll have a whole band with just two harmonicas. Because according to Ocean's Eleven, you know what, though? I'll buy the drum set harmonica. You know what, though? It might not work, though, because we don't have... Maybe it's the magic of Sammy Davis Jr. We are definitely not that cool. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's what does it. I can learn a soft shoe though, maybe. Oh, maybe, know. maybe. <laughs> oh, it just—I just love how Hollywood movies like. Like, wait, is this a musical right now? Yeah, especially because like I—I I mean, Dean Martin is Dean Martin in this movie, and it's his big song is "Ain't That a Kick in the Head." But, but he, he has a band there, and he's on stage. Yeah, and I get that he's performing. Yeah, but they only have him play that song like three times. Like, <laughs> I know. You have an, you have a catalog. <laughs> I get that you know Hollywood wants to hear the big hit, but. Throw another one in there. He plays it like three times, and it's always just the chorus. Oh, Ain't so that a kick in the head? Oh, made me want pasta, though. There you go. <laughs> but, but now we're in Vegas. What do you think of Vegas in this movie? Oh my gosh, Vegas in the '60s was—it's literally a strip <laughs> with five casinos on. It. Just the we—he pulled out that little drawing yep. when he was doing the plan mm-hmm. with the you know five casinos. Here's some electric towers that power them and a road. And you're like, oh, come on. And then that you see Vegas in 1960 and you're like, oh, that was a very accurate drawing. <laughs> it could have been a map. <laughs> it looks exactly like that. I mean, you can tell it's Vegas because it's still got like the glitz and the lights. But, oh, man, it's it's almost quaint and tame compared to Vegas as it is now. I went and looked it up because I was like, oh, I guess they I, I was figuring, oh, they just used the same set and just dressed it differently. But no, those were the actual insides of those casinos. Oh, okay. And there were so, like, the ceilings were so low, and, like, they were so little. I mean, because <laughs> when you think of a casino now, you think of those giant rooms that are really high, and it's all crazily lit and all this kind of stuff. Massive water fountains and you know, stuff. And this just seemed like the basement of a modern <laughs> casino. It's like, are they, wait, are they still in Arizona? Is this Arizona casino? Yeah, I mean... It was crazy. Oh, it was ridiculous. I mean, the, the it just everything was. I could you could almost just smell the scotch in the cigarettes. Absolutely, it was funny to me that they're going through with this heist. They have this part of the plan is you know you got. We'll just go over the plan, which was very. It, the plan was they was just basically you have to watch the movie to figure out what the whole plan was because yep. when he laid out when they're in there mm-hmm. they're on, they on the pool table. Danny Ocean lays down the plan mm-hmm. on the pool table. And he's literally, like you said, five casinos. Here's the power towers. We take out the power. When the power goes out, the auxiliary power kicks on for the casinos. And it turns on the lights. But we're going to rewire it so it doesn't turn on the lights. It opens up all the doors of the cashier cages. You know? And it's like, okay. And that's it. And they're like, you, you, and you are inside, man. You, you, you know? And and that's it. And next thing you know, we're in Las Vegas, right? Yeah. Sammy Davis Jr. is working for the garbage company, mm-hmm. driving a garbage truck. Yep. Apparently, he was doing that before, so that, that was uh, made probably why they thought of the plan. And, like, the five guys on the 11 team are already working at these casinos. Like, they which already have weird. their inside men. Like, w- which is weird. Yep. That's convenient <laughs> that five of the 11 guys just happen to have jobs at the five different casinos. It's pre-internet. It's pre-technology. This is the most, like, simplest planned to- and they had like the junkiest <laughs> jobs did you realize what their jobs were their jobs were ashtray cleaner outers yep i saw like, that <laughs> and door handle sprayers but no that was the con job that wasn't their working job but they, yeah they're just like they casino will, hands yeah they're literally just walking around with these this crazy like thing that they they had this thing i don't even know what to call it because it doesn't exist anymore i bet you if you found it in an antique shop you wouldn't know what the heck it was yep but it's like this thing on a it's like this metal <laughs> what is I don't even want metal clamshell on a stick, <laughs> right? Yeah. That you like, I guess you pull a little thing and the clamshell opens and you take the ashtray and you put the ashes in it and you close it and you walk around to the next table and just keep emptying ashes all day long. That's it. <laughs> what a crappy job. 
It's terrible. They probably got paid a dollar an hour for it. Who knows? <laughs> it was good money at the time. But you're able to keep a uh, spray can in the clamshell, yep. which they did. An old 60s, like, do-it-yourself aerosol can is what it looked like. Yeah, <laughs> and apparently it had some kind of crazy infrared paint in it, which I didn't even know was a thing back then that you could have. Uh, maybe this was their equivalent to special effects. Maybe they thought it up before it was actually like I a thing know. thing. But they were taking the infrared paint, and the whole point was is that the lights were going to go out, so they needed to find their way to the cashier cage. Yep. So they sprayed this infrared paint on their shoes... So they could walk over there to, so they could see how to get to the cage. And then they sprayed the cage with the, the like handle around the handle with the infrared thing. And that you put on glasses and you could see the infrared paint. So it could lead you over to the cage. Yeah. But it's kind of weird because they don't, they never really overly explain it. <laughs> he just like, I can't see the footprints you were talking about. He's like, no, you got to put on these glasses and use this black light. And you're like, okay, why are they doing this? And then, like, they just show the footprints after the heist goes down. And it's like, oh, because it's dark, and you kind of have to assume that. But it's just like, why why these weird <laughs> foot, footprint scenes? But they do all their recon. They got to lay low for a day. It's like, what are we going to do for two days in Vegas? They're like, don't do anything. We got a job to pull. So be on your best behavior. We're going to go bowling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they went bowling. And that one guy's like, I've never bowled in my life. I was like, really? <laughs> Of all the things to do in the 60s and you never went bowling? <laughs> right. Like, nah, we went to the pictures. You mean of all the things not to do in the 60s? There you go. <laughs> go bowling at least once. That's true. That's right. I remember that. It's like, I've never been bowling before. <laughs> Being in the airborne infantry too long. But the plan goes off without a hitch. Oh, the, my favorite part of the plan yes. going off was when... Uh, they're putting the demolition charges on the power lines so that the power can go out, so the auxiliary power can kick in, so the door, the doors can open. And uh, they, you know, they put the charges on there, and then they they show the wide shot, clearly a model. It's so clearly a model. I'm like, and I was like, ooh, we get to see them blow up a model. Practical effects, you know, small scale. Yeah, it was great. I just loved it. It was so. It gave me such Godzilla vibes. Oh, absolutely. You know, when they blow up the little model, it was like, oh, and then the power goes out, and the little C4 explosives are like little sparklers, like. You know, it it took me half a second to realize that they were like so the electrician guy, the guy with the heart problem or brain problem or whatever chest problem, whatever it was, the thing that's going to send him to the big casino. His weak ticket uh, is uh, he has to go to every single different casino to rewire it yes. so that it doesn't turn on the lights. It opens up the cashier cage. So they go through this whole thing of him going from casino to casino mm -hmm. and like the inside men kind of leading him over to where it is yeah you know and it took me like i think it was like the third casino that i realized what was happening <laughs> i was like oh those are, those guys are because it just seemed like the guys were kind of like walking around let's walk around and pretend not to know each other yeah you know <laughs> i'm gonna roll this 25 dollar chip on the floor so old security guard mcgee doesn't see what's going down <laughs> yeah as but, we walk into like bathrooms and back hallways like, yeah it was funny to me because at first I was like, what? Cause, but then I realized I was like, oh, he's pretending to go in the bathroom. But yeah. then going into that other thing. To, the, con to the conveniently easy uh, electrical box that looks like <laughs> a breaker box for a residential home. Like, <laughs> this is a major casino and this is like their fail safe. And he can just go in and be like, Whoop. <laughs> I don't know. It might have been. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it, everything did seem kind of janky. Oh, it's a simple time. I really, you know what? The, there were some neat things in here, like cinematography wise. I don't know if it's cinematography. Maybe it is. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I liked how when they were doing the countdown. Yes. And they, they, they were, they were sweeping between the different countdowns at each casino with a balloon. Yeah. Like, cause there's, cause it's New Year's and there's balloons everywhere. But they would have like a balloon going up. That was the sweep to go to the countdown in the next casino. Yep. The only funny part about that is the countdown had to start at like 20 so they could get all five casinos in. Could, <laughs> yeah, whoever starts down at 20, yeah, I know, right? If they started at 10, be like, oh, no, we have two more casinos to shoot. Start over. <laughs> uh, yeah, I noticed that too. You know what I noticed? The guy's, like, the guy's like, he's like, we have 20 seconds. And then he like waited like five or 10 seconds and went 20. And I was like, wait a minute. No, you don't. You don't have 20 seconds anymore. Uh. <laughs> but then it's it's New Year's. The ball drops and everybody starts singing the song they knew they were going to sing. 
and they get their money into the back of the garbage truck. The plan goes off without a hitch. Yeah. They, they go into the cashier's rooms, and there's, of course, people in there. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I couldn't tell. It was really dark, for real dark. Yes. I couldn't tell if they had guns or what was going on. All I know is they're like, you know, shut, shut up and sing old Lang Syne. Sing as loud as you can. Keep singing, otherwise you blow our cover and we'll have to do something to you. Yeah, and I was like, what? Um, but no, those scenes were super dark. It, I mean, we do get a couple funny bits where they're lighting candles and like that's the only light for the scene. But then it's like, okay, they just go blow the candles out and it's back to being dark yeah. and they can go sneak around again. It's like, <laughs> you know what's funny to me is like the that this was obviously all these guys performed in Las Vegas. They liked being in Las Vegas. Apparently, they had the run of the town. I mean, yeah. f- all of Frank Sinatra and D Martin's mob friends started Las Vegas, but <laughs> true. <laughs> we don't realize because a lot of these casinos don't exist anymore. But this was like early product placement. This was an advertisement for Vegas because oh, that's true. anywhere they could, they put the logo of the casinos. I didn't know if you noticed, but when they were emptying the safes. It was on the safe door. It was on the inside of the safe door. Who puts the logo on the inside of the safe door? Somebody that's trying to sell that casino property. Right. And every single bag that they had, the money bags, had the casino's logo on it. And yep. it's like, wouldn't you just have five generic bags to throw your money in? But no, they were the same money bag, but they all had different logos on them. And to show that the power successfully went out, they had like on the screen, they just showed all the logos and then the logos go yeah. dark. And then when the power comes back on, they show those five <laughs> logos again and be like, here's the places you need to visit. Come yeah. see shiny Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, yeah, but I I didn't notice it was weird, but the logos are inside the safe. Like, <laughs> I noticed that right away. I was like, what is happening right now? Yeah, but then we get when they're empty in the safe, the one guy with the bad ticker, like in the middle of it's like, oh, my heart. Something's wrong. And then all the money bags go in the trash. And apparently the one thing that Las Vegas throws out every single day, any chance they get is lettuce. Like, <laughs> I, why was that the main trash? I get it. <laughs> I get that it's a cheap, like, prop, you know? But it also makes it things like nobody in Vegas eats salad. It's just like, nope, toss it. Get it out of my sight. Why do we bother even putting this on the menu? Maybe it's all garnish. Just yeah. tons of lettuce for garnishes all the time. No one eats it. Nope. Steak. It's like cigarettes, steak, potatoes. Scotch fish and cigarettes, yep. <laughs> None of that green stuff. Get it out of my face. Put it in the garbage. It looks pretty on the side of the plate, but I ain't eating it. Maybe if that guy had eaten some salad, he wouldn't have had a heart attack walking across the street. Right in the middle of the street. Yeah, they put a whole dragnet out, to, you know, because they, you know, they call up the sheriff. The sheriff, who the guy was typecast as a sheriff. That sheriff, I recognize him immediately. He was a sheriff in Lassie. Oh. Did you ever watch Lassie on Nickelodeon? I did, but not enough to recall that from this. Yeah, it was, it was like, hey. I know a, that guy. It's a Lassie sheriff. We need a sheriff. Get that guy. Robert Folk. That's his name. We need a sheriff. Get Robert Folk. But yeah, he's a recognizable face. But yeah, they send a whole dragnet out. And then we get get to meet reporter Don Murphy in his crazy 1960 beard, I guess, people had back then. It seems like he was the only one in this movie that had that much facial hair. Yeah, but but it wasn't. It was like this weird chin strap, but like, what kind of beard is that? Uh, I don't what know. is it called? There has to be a name for that crazy beard. The beatnik, probably at that. Time. It was definitely a beatnik thing because it like it stood out so much, and like I wonder, it, I would wonder if like Frank Sinatra would be like, no, go tell that guy to shave. It looks I like know, a right? Because it was really the like it's so noticeable. Be like, I think that's the first beard in this movie. Yeah, but it's this crazy chin strap beard, but it's like grown out on the chin part. Yep. He looked like in what his name is Don. Mur- he looked like a giant leprechaun. He really does. You know his name's Don Murphy. He's got this reddish. You know, it's like oh, this is, these these casinos have been robbed. But they take such a beat with that. That seemed like one of the '60s things. I should have like people in the '60s watching it probably got some like extra joke out of it. Yeah, and I missed it. I don't know. We but. must have been missing something. I mean, maybe he was somebody. It might have been. You know, I don't know. Because they, they did a couple lines in the movie where they're referencing like famous names at the time. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know Don Murphy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, that yeah, did that that like made a record scratch when he showed up. <laughs> did it make a record scratch with you? It did with me. I noticed it. It was like, what is up with that beard? <laughs> what are you doing, Don Murphy? Cut that out. <laughs> anyway, Don Murphy started to tell us the casinos have been robbed. <laughs> <laughs> 
And apparently the sheriff, like the police department, nobody can do anything about it because they don't have technology. It's like, oh, well, I guess we're kind of out. But uh, the casino owners aren't having it. And like ha- most of the way through this movie, we're on the finale now. <laughs> the casino owners show up and they're like, we all have partners, right? And everybody's like, yeah, mobsters. Wink, wink, wink. Yeah. It's for, yeah, uh, it was yeah. You know what? I thought this this movie had a lot to go after the heist. I thought it would be over, over. Yep. You know, but then I was like, oh, there's a whole bunch of movie left. Yep. And you know, there's a whole like, how are they going to make it out of town section? I guess. And it was interesting because like stuff's getting discovered. People are figuring it out. Yep. <laughs> for like, it was so funny. Like for it was like thirty seconds. Like D Martin's like, oh. I think he's a rat. I think Jimmy Foster's a rat. Yeah. You know, and Senator's like, no, he's not. I've known him forever. He's one of my best friends. And he's like, okay, sorry, Frank. He vouched for you, so you're okay by me now. And then he shows up and he's like, hey, I thought you were a rat, but he convinced me otherwise. And he's like, thanks, I'm not a rat. Oh. It's just it was <laughs> it's so, so weird. It's so silly. <laughs> but Jimmy Foster being a 50-year-old man that still goes to his mom for money, I, <laughs> I have a little doubt there, too. Oh my gosh! But that was the thing that that caught him. His his Caesar Romero, his soon to be father, yep. stepfather, mm-hmm. is this reformed mobster, I guess. Duke Santos, what a what a mob name! Yeah, and and he goes to you know as you were saying, he goes to the five owners of the casino, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Hey guys, I can figure out who did this." He was like upset. He's like, "Someone did this while I was in town." Yeah, they're causing offense to professional con men like myself. I mean, reformed con men. Yeah, and he's like, I'm going to find out who did this for you. And they're like, yeah, what will it cost us? And he's like, 30%. Then they're like, Ugh. and one of the guys is like, I'm not going to talk to you. And the other guy's like, I think we should talk to him. We better find this money and we're done. Otherwise, my quote unquote boss is going to be upset with me. Yeah, they. Yeah. I know. It's so funny. You could. There was such subtext to that. Yeah. They'd be like, boy, their investors are sure going to be mad at them. They might get fired. No, they might get buried in the desert. Yeah, I think one guy like says, oh, yeah, they'll take me to the rope. It's like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But speaking of, like, uh, Danny Ocean has that Mary Sue vibe to him. But yeah. Duke Santos, like, I get that he's a smart criminal. You know, he's reformed, but he still knew how to play the game everything falls in his lap because uh, Foster's mom is like, oh, he's, he's in Vegas. He said he was going to be skiing somewhere, but no, he's in Vegas. And all of his army buddies that he meets up with a few times a year here, and they're all hanging out together, you know, because they're old war buddies that used to do jobs together back yeah. in the war. It's just Duke is like, oh, it all clicks now. Thanks for spilling the beans. <laughs> even still, but even still, Cesar Romero's like, uh, to me, he's like the best part. Yes. It's great. I liked him best. I... Th- I, I like ended. I totally wanted. He kind of did win, sort of. But yeah, I, I kind of wanted him to catch the guys. True, which he did, technically. He, he he did go about it the cool way. He didn't like because he was working with the sheriff and all that, and with the operator sending out calls. Yeah, but he he did it the cool like mobster way. He's like, I'm gonna go confront the guy. I'm gonna play both ends. If I find the money, I'll get thirty percent from the owners. If I find the guys that did it, I'll just blackmail them for fifty. Which he did. That's what he did. He's like, I want fifty percent of it. And that's where the like, I don't know if that's where this line came from, but I've heard it used in other movies. The fifty percent of nothing is some, or what was it? Fifty uh, percent of something is still better than a hundred percent of nothing. Yes, yes. I mean, haven't you heard that said? Oh, in, in that manner, in that tone. I don't know if this is the first time, but I mean, that's that for sure. That's one of those yeah. old like sixties of them. Like, hey, kid, <laughs> and you believe it? It's great, man. But yeah, I mean, the, the, really, the their whole their whole plan gets a big monkey wrench in it when old Bergdorf, which is a hilarious name, old Bergdorf is walking across the street and has a heart attack. Yep, and they can't get to him before a whole bunch of other people and the police do. Yep. So they got to him first. What would they do? Well, they, I mean, they still had the money and everything was successful up to the point where Duke confronts them. And that's when they said, oh, and now we got to pull a fast one on that guy. And yeah. that caused the change of plans and the whole like funeral home, dark, weird, uh, one of the last acts of this movie. That funeral home had the like the coolest clock, though. Very much so. Right on the front. The, that lit up at night. Mm-hmm. It seemed like something way more modern than 1960, didn't it? It really did. Yeah. Fancy enough to have a crematorium. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they they take that. Oh my gosh. So they Sammy Davis Jr. took the money back to the dump and dug it out and hid it in like a barrel. Yep. And then they're like, oh no, the you know, we gotta get this money out of town somehow. 
and they're like, oh, Bergdorf's wife is going to come and claim the body. Yep. So let's fill his coffin full of the money, and then she'll ship it out of town. And we'll go bury it up in honor of our friend. Yeah. So they shove it full, and then... Um, no, you can't say it just like that. I'm sorry, because this scene is so crazy. Okay. They break yeah. into the funeral home, and they lift his body out <laughs> of the casket, like holding him midair and just dumping money underneath it. <laughs> I was like, I, I mean, comedy, yes, but holy crap. Oh, I know. Super dark. Super dark. And apparently they kept $10,000 to send to his wife. Yeah, because this is the one that met his kid in boarding school, and so they right. wanted to make sure he was set. Yeah, so, and then... The dummy who took the money out left the band on the floor. It was dark. They couldn't see you it. Know, and then the, the mortician guy found it, and he'd already been paid off by the Joker. If you see anything crazy, you let me know. Here's a whole bunch of hundreds in your coat pocket. Uh, sir, I've seen two crazy things. One, this uh, $10,000 uh, band wrap for a bunch of money, and also there's 11 guys all sitting in one pew for some reason. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is like the twist. Spoiler alert for a Super Bowl movie, so hold on. But this got me. This is probably the, I think this is the second time I saw this movie. The first time was so long ago, I forgot the twist at the end. Yep. But I just love how the wife is, con- because the wife was estranged from Bergdorf. So the funeral home guy mm-hmm. is is basically like, hey, we can bury him here. You don't have to spend all the money to ship him you know, back to California. Um, we have the American Legion here. We can get him a nice... Burial, we have a, you know, it'll be like a veterans thing. Well, we we got to go, and she's like, yeah, I didn't really like him much anyway. Sounds good, <laughs> right? So that's their plan. They're like, oh no, like we need to. I guess they were they went to the funeral so they could go to the burial so they could see where he was buried so they could dig him up. Yep, dark. But anyway, they're sitting there, and it's so funny because they have that. You hear the preacher, and he's like, "The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away." And while that's happening, they're like, what's that noise? Just like grinding machinery, real loud noise. And <laughs> I really liked the the sweep shot they did of each guy looking at the other guy going like, what what's is happening, happening now? right <laughs> now? And, and, and then someone's like, oh, that's the crematorium. His wife's having them cremated. And then the pan back of all their faces is like, oh, crap. <laughs> another, another wrench in the works, boys. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> it that means the money's burnt. Yep. For, the job went off without a hitch, but they get nothing out of it. Nothing. It's so crazy. Nothing. And we end, you know, we end with like them sadly walking down the Vegas Strip. To I, I think it's Dean Martin that's singing, but it's like a modified version of "Ain't That a Kick in the Head." But it's all about like a man being dead because he doesn't have dreams anymore. Uh, it's like this is your ending. <laughs> it's so tragic. I know, it's like a dark, it's like, oh, this is a dark comedy now. <laughs> it was quite a twist. It was, it's a super twist. I mean, it fits into the whole Vegas, like, the house always wins, mm-hmm. but I like it's a twist. You don't see it coming. No, not at all. I mean, the job goes so well, you're just like, oh, they did it. Cool. Cool guys doing cool things. Awesome. What a great movie. But no, it's like one of your guys died and you now have no money. Yeah. His, his wife was the only one who came out on top. Bergdorf's wife. Because they took care of him. And yep. the kid. Yeah. The kid's going to... $10,000 back then was a lot of money, right? That's, yeah. That's education and then some. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, hopefully Bergdorf Jr. went on to do something great. Well, he knows how to make an abacus, so maybe he can be... <laughs> maybe he was You the, mean an, an ab... What? How do you say it? Uh, <laughs> the character abiscus? Calls it, he calls it a bacus. A bacus. <laughs> that's... You, you know, that was written in the script... The only one who knew how to say it was the writer. Yep. He wasn't on set. Nope. So the guy just said it, and they're like, yeah, that's right. That sounds right. That sounds right. That's a counting thing, right? Yeah. It's a counting thing. And are those really Japanese? I don't think so. Um, uh, that part I would probably say is true, but that's a guess. Well, if a little white kid made it in California, it's not a Japanese hibiscus. Or true. What <laughs> it's a hibiscus. Yeah. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> um. I do like that final shot of them walking away, though, because they do like break the fourth wall a little bit to remind you of all the famous people you just saw because they have all their names on the marquee. It's yeah, like, that's a nice touch. They have all their names on the marquee. They do also do the cool like I'm always I'm always amazed by the the era where they didn't have computers. Yes. Where they do like effects like they did the thing where it had like their names and who they played like swipe over them as they're walking as by. they're walking. Mm-hmm. 
Now, yeah, it looked wonky, but at the same time, I sit there going like, I think they do that. Yeah. Without computers, that's yeah. all hand done. I'm like, I don't, I'm, like, I'm sure it could be easily explained to me, but as someone who, because computers make stuff easy. True. So just I, every time I see stuff like that, even when I watch like old like TV shows, like Ed Sullivan shows or something like that, mm-hmm. where they do the thing where they like have like the close up shot of the person big, like 50% with them. And while they're on the stage performing, like the two shots. Yep. And I'm like sitting there going like, how are they doing that right now? How are they doing that without a computer? It's the double exposure sixties, man. Yeah, they're doing something. But anyway, I'm sure there's people out there going like, it's really simple. You do that. I don't know. I'm amazed. <laughs> but it's cool that there's still those amazing moments in a movie that's 62 years old. Yeah, 62 years old. Crazy. All right. So this is a reassumption, but we're still assuming. Yes. Which means we still have to give a pizza rating. We do. So for the OG 1960s Ocean Eleven, Mikey, what kind of pizza rating do you give this movie? Um. Well. Uh, and don't put any vegetables on it. No. Yeah. It's all. It's <laughs> a salad lettuce. pizza. Just so we can throw it in the trash now. <laughs> Hide the money bag. This is like my third time seeing this. Because I, I remember going back to watch the old one once I knew that as a fan of the newer one, I had went back to see the old one to see the OG of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a good time with it. This being my third watch, I guess I was a little more critical. You can get rid of that whole first hour. Like, oh, I know, right? It, 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 all it is is way overdone character exposition, which I get. There's 11 people you need to talk about, but... They don't even get to the plan, like the, the my favorite little blueprint, until an hour into this movie. Yeah. So I'm a Rat Pack fan. It's cool to see it as like a time capsule, but that first hour is such a drag for me. So I'm gonna say uh, four with a, four slices with a bunch of toppings. Yeah, yeah, or All a five right. plain, but okay. four, four with toppings just because it's there's no computers. The whole heist is essentially like, oh, we're gonna blow up some power lines yeah. and knock over Vegas in its entirety. <laughs> like that's so crazy, but it works. Yeah. Yeah, it's I was I was surprised at how long this movie was. Yeah. I mean, this movie's like well, over 2 hours, I think. Yep. And now I don't know how long movies used to be all the time. I know that some are super long when have intermissions in the middle, but generally when I think of an older movie, they usually have a shorter runtime than 2 hours. Same. Um, um so I was like I was like you know, I was really surprised on how like when are they going to do a heist over here? But I'm with you on so many of the points. It, it is a really neat time capsule, and I'm not one of those people who will like want to disparage things for being you know wrong about how stuff was yeah. at the time. Yep, because it's just the way it was. That doesn't make it right, but it's interesting to look at it and see how stuff was. Yeah, but man, this gave me the same vibes that Mad Men gives me, yes. and it's like, and it's like, oh man, it just seems like. It'd be so interesting just to just spend a little time in that time, just to just see what it was like. For sure. And Mad Men does it in a fake way, but this does it for real. Because this was like really then, and these characters are as close to these guys as they actually were. So you're just like, it's just a time capital to me. So I really like seeing that. But as a movie, yeah, I mean, it's like an old movie. It's like all of them. To me, it seemed like... This the same as like anything on Turner Classic Movies. Yeah. So you know, th- th- there's nothing like it's not up there with the pantheon of great things. Mm-hmm. But it's something that's like, oh yeah, this is on. It has all these old famous people. I'll watch old Blue Eyes be you know all suave and debonair there. So <laughs> I think we're tongue into this deal. Let yeah. me sweat all the dialogue. So. Yeah. So I think I'm going to give it five slices, and you know. Maybe we'll throw some old 60s toppings on there. You Scotch know? and cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> Scotch and cigarettes. You know, what would they put on a pizza back then? Probably some pepperoni. Yeah. You know, I think that's probably all they do. Vegas you know? probably has the anchovy, like, made yeah. man special. But... Maybe. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Might put some anchovies on there. You know what? That is very 60s. You're right. That's what I'm going to give it five with anchovies. I get it. That might make people not like it. You know what? I think the anchovies is the misogynistic stuff. (laughs) (laughs) The one little dark spot on your slice of pizza. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, uh, So, yeah. Um, All right. So, this movie's fine. Yeah. It's just fine. It's a good Saturday afternoon. It's fine. So, um, next time we do an assumption, we're going to be trying to do these assumptions like every month as part of our cycle. Mm Mm-hmm. So we'll be back with the assumption of the modern Ocean's Eleven. Absolutely. Um, And we'll see how that holds up to it and 
uh, what we like and dislike, and that's when we'll really start comparing them because we didn't want to compare this one to that one because in our mind, the new one hasn't happened yet. True. We're meeting it at the time it was. So we want you to tell us what you think of Ocean's Eleven 1960, the original version. Is it horrible? Can you not, can you not stand it for a second? Um, did you love it? Are you with me? Do you want to see Ocean's Battalion? Because I do. That'd be fun. I want to see that. Do that now, Hollywood. George Clooney, do that. Absolutely. World War II movie, and you have all these actual, you can use all the characters and stuff. But it's the Rat Pack Battalion. And just recast it. Oh, oh that'd be great. Wow. I'm on board. We're putting it into the ether. That'd be super cool. Uh, you guys can let us know. Hit us up on all our social medias at AssumingPod, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, you can also send us a Gmail, assumingpositions at gmail.com. Every week I say, Mikey, how would you like the Gmail formatted? Draw me a really silly blueprint, uh, kind of like the Ocean's Eleven heist map. Just something simple. Be like, Here's my opinion. Also, here's the one street in Vegas, and here's my favorite casino. Yeah, it has to look like you know what that that looked like. It yeah. looked like it looked like it belonged on like um, the paper placemat of exactly. one of the casinos. Yeah, was that? <laughs> that's what it was. It's like he took the placemat from one of the casinos, like the late night diner across the street from the casino. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh look, here's all the buildings we're going to. Somebody already put it out. Cool. Is there ketchup on this thing? What'd you do? <laughs> What do you call it? Cats up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. We also want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing and announcing Nascot Productions for Equipment, Jazzar for Music, and we'll see you guys next time. Doobie, doobie, doo. ain't that a kick in the head? Hey, Dame, get off my bed. Cheese it, it's the fuzz. <laughs>